you really are one thought or one decision away from a different day, a different week, a different month, a different life. And I think we can get caught in our own limiting beliefs or reasons why we aren't where we want to be. I think just like having that that belief that I can, I am adaptable, I can change. Welcome to the Get Clear with Crystal Ware podcast, the place where we get clear on our goals, own our worth, and learn to be the CEOs of our own lives. I'm your host, Crystal Ware, lawyer and former Fortune 500 corporate leader who found the confidence to say goodbye to a lucrative career and start my own business. Now I'm opening up the playbook and sharing everything I've learned to get you there faster. It may not be easy, but it will always be worth it because you are made for more. So put on your big girl pants, jump on board, and let's reach for the stars. Are you ready to get clear? And today we have a awesome, amazing guest. Brianne Smedley is joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yes. She is really known as Coach Bree, and she is a certified female athlete elite performance coach who works to empower and enable female athletes to cultivate true confidence, unlock their potential, and level up their performance across all aspects of their lives. She has a passion for empowering and enabling female athletes with the mental aspect of their sport. The missing key is often confidence and elite performance. Her areas of expertise include goal setting, affirmations, and visualizations, crushing those limiting beliefs, shifting self-top, overcoming mistakes, performing under pressure, letting go of perfectionism, managing stress, and becoming more resilient. So you can see just running through that list, why I had to have her on the show. I actually saw her on Facebook and I don't do anything business related on Facebook, but I just happened to see something. I don't know if it was one of her ads or what that was, but I saw something for Coach Bree and I thought this really will resonate with women in career and business as well. And as I look over your bio, I mean, it just makes perfect sense. All of those things are the things that we talk about and the things that continue to plague us as we move forward and the things that we need to address. So I can't wait to dive in and just go full steam ahead on all of those. I mean, really each and every one of those could probably be their own topic uh, and podcast, but tell us a little about yourself. What is your sports background and how did you get into coaching? Yeah. I mean, it's a journey that started when I was in middle school, you know, playing sports like most most of us do. And in high school, I got pretty good at volleyball. That was kind of my main sport. And by the time I was a senior, I was a highly recruited athlete and was, you know, playing year round, all the things. And from the outside, it looked like everything was going well, which often happens with us like high achieving women, um, you know, pretty type A. Um, you know, just taking care of things myself. But on the inside, I was really struggling with a lot of self-doubt, confidence, things like worrying about what people were thinking of me, letting the team down. And so uh, at the end of my senior year in high school, I actually ended up quitting volleyball and deciding to turn down all the offers that I had pretty much disappointing everyone in my mind and just thought like, I would rather just disappoint everyone right now than go to college, play and disappoint people then rip the bandaid off. Um, so I, you know, that was kind of my first experience looking back, you know, um, several years later, I can clearly see what was going on, but fast forward kind of to college. And I went to a school where 
their volleyball team was really good and they made it to the national championship and I went to every game and I was like, oh no, I miss this a lot. And how do I get back into it? Um, I reached out to the coach. She offered me a a tryout after they got back from nationals, ended up making that team as a walk-on and so ended up actually playing college volleyball for four years um, in a program that was amazing. I mean, highly prioritized um, mental side of the game, uh, but just created a culture where it was safe to be an athlete. And that's when I first realized that all athletes deal with these things like pressure, expectations, um, feeling like they're letting people down, but most athletes don't talk about it and like don't have strategies to help them through it. And so finished up my four years there. I end, I started as a walk-on, ended as a full-ride scholarship athlete. Um, and so just had a really good, and I was enjoying volleyball. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't worrying about all these things that I was before. Um, got into coaching right away. I started coaching high schoolers, um, became a head coach really young and quickly realized that I could coach, I could teach volleyball, but, you know, teaching these mental skills where, where it was, where they were struggling. Like, they could learn how to pass and do it really well in practice, but in a game when the pressure was on and all eyes were on them and they would fold. And so I did a deep dive into how I could help my athletes and um, went down a, a path of how to get uh, more knowledge in this area. My undergrad uh, you know, was touched on sports psychology as well. So I was just always interested in it, but I became certified as a mental performance coach. Um, started doing these skills with my teams and they were really great. We actually ended up winning a couple of state championships. Um, and then I turned this into a business and have been uh, running our company, The Elite Competitor. I run it actually with my sister-in-law um, for about four years now. And so now we have a full-fledged, um, a full-fledged business around helping athletes with the mental side of the game and helping their moms navigate it as well. So how to, you know, what do I say and do to make it make it possible for my daughter to enjoy her sport and also not have her grow up as this perfectionist who, you know, just struggles with all this, which many of us do. So that's how I got where I am. And yeah, so the journey's still going. Well, and just when I'm hearing this, cause I, um, I have three sons who are very athletic, um, very competitive. My husband played, um, um, professional baseball. And so you know, we are dealing with this all the time. So for anybody listening, you know, what we are talking about today is really going to be how we can take all of these issues that, you know, athletes are dealing with and coach Bree's ability to talk and speak into parents and help them coach their children through these difficulties and these mental hurdles that they have and how that applies to us in our careers as well. You know, because I really think there's a lot there, but I also wanted to pause on that and say that you know, why you specialize in, um, in, in female athletes and parents. Um, I feel like this could also really benefit, um, parents of boys too. Do you have any parents that you with, with boys or is it solely with girls? No, we do. So we, we lean into the mom daughter relationship because there's just Mm -hmm. a little bit of nuance there, but Overall, all of these strategies apply to parents of any athlete. In fact, we say in our program, we have a signature program that athletes and parents go through. We tell the moms, hey, make sure that you go through the parent side with your partner so that you're on the same page and you're communicating the same things to your athlete. And so, yeah, we have a lot of moms of boys. We actually have, um, we have boys come through our program too. So yeah, 
for sure. These skills definitely apply to all athletes, all parents. Yeah. I mean, I was leaning into this. It's just, it's so crazy that we, we caught it today because we are in the, in, in baseball playoffs and my middle son just got the news that he did not make all stars. And we had a whole, you know, crying fest about that and had to talk through that. And like, you know, I feel like as a coach, uh, a parent coach, right? Like I have to be a coach for my kids over and over. Um, and some people are better equipped for that than others. And so if you need that kind of help and need somebody to lean on, to give you some skills, um, coach Bree has an awesome program for that. And we will make sure to link everything into the show notes, um, because it can be a really difficult time. And, um, if you are born with one of those crazy competitive children, I know I was one of those crazy. I mean, I remember as a kid, so crazy having a full-on panic attack about a school project even. And my parents were just like, what is going on with you? You need to calm down. This is not the end of the world. But for me, it felt like, oh my God, if I don't make a hundred, I'm going to, you know, just be so upset. And I see some of the same in, um, my kids. And unfortunately they got it from both of us. (laughs) You know, we got super high, a competitive mom and dad. And so we are walking through and talking about these things all the time. So they're on the top of my mind for myself in business, um, and the women that I talk to, and then for my kids. So it's just like, this is all so relative people for all of our lives. Like if we can master everything that you work on mentally, we will literally be at the top of our game. Like there is no way if you can master all of these mental hurdles that you will not be successful. I mean, these things are exactly what lead us there. So I wanted to dive in on how we can work on some of these as women and as adults ourselves. So I always say that, you know, the self-confidence piece is really one of the biggest factors Um, I think that your net worth starts with your self-worth and that is really important. So when you see people struggling with confidence, um, how do you work through that? I mean, how do you build self-confidence? Yeah. Well, when we work with athletes, I mean, that is typically one of the main reasons why they join our program and, um, Mm -hmm. usually it's the parents, their, their moms that are identifying like, oh, she's really struggling with you believing she's good enough and in her belief about herself. And so we do, we, we get kind of to the root of like, all right, well, why, you know, what, what's going on here? And tell athletes that, um, confidence is built through a couple of things. Number one, your competence. So when you start to increase your reps in that area and your practice, you automatically get a little more confident just by experience and how you talk to yourself and that self-talk piece I mean, you know, we talk about that all the time, but the, there's, um, you know, if you're familiar with um, internal family systems, which is a, it's actually a therapy modality that we draw on in our programs and it applies to everyone. And, you know, and the younger that athletes, the younger that kids understand this, which is why it's so like, if, if I were to have this, you know, younger, it just would have made so much more sense, but it works for us as adults too, that we have parts of us that are talking to us all day long. And whether we decide to lean into the part that's talking to us, that's, you know, being pretty negative or being really hard on ourselves or, you know, being really loud, um, in a way that's just trying to like, I mean, at the root of it, it's trying to help us, trying to protect us, but 
in the process, likely tearing us down. And so, you know, having athletes lean into the part of them that is, you know, telling them that they are capable, that is not comparing themselves to other people or attaching their self-worth to their outcomes and their accomplishments. And that takes a lot of like, first of all, awareness of what, what it is going on in the brain and what am I saying to myself? And sometimes we don't know exactly what we're saying, but we can feel the emotion because we know that thoughts lead to emotions. And so when we are feeling that like lack of confidence or that insecurity or whatever that negative feeling is, um, it always does come back to a thought. Um, but that's not always clear in le- until we become more aware of like, okay, what are these thoughts? Um, and so that's where we, where we start around, you know, like, yes, you can't just become confident in an area that you want to become confident in without experience, without practice, but also what you tell to yourself and what you're, you're talking about in your head significantly influences how you show up in that um, situation. Wow. So are there ever scenarios where you have seen people or worked with people and thought, you know, maybe this is just not the thing for you? Because I think that is what people, you know, have a hard time believing. Like, I think, you know, 90% of what is out there, and this is not, you know, business, life achievement, not sports, because there's some other factors to sports, right? But when we think about, you know, can I start a business? Can I take this leap to a new career? Can I shift gears? Can I go back to school and do this? I really truly believe that 90% of the time it is within the person. I don't care who you are or what your background is. I believe that you can do that 90% of the time. There are subtle things that like maybe being a rocket science or something, you know, something really big may not be for everybody. Most things, most people can do. But I think what people have in their head is that they cannot. So are, you know, what is your take on that? I mean, have you seen where, you know, there's just limitations that you think people can't break through? Or do you, do you also agree that most people can do most things if they put their mind to it? I would say generally speaking, you're, you're right. You know, most people can do most things that they put their mind to. We severely limit what we're capable of. Um, we use a lot of different analogies, um, to kind of talk about this, but one that I actually saw recently on, um, from another coach that I know was this, this image of, um, like a baby elephant that is t- tied to a tree and just by a rope. And so it's, you just kind of get that in your head. And this baby elephant tries to break free from the, um, from the rope and it kind of like uses all, tries to use all of its strength and just can't quite do it. And so then the baby elephant just sits there attached by the rope to this tree. But then as it does, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And now all of a sudden this elephant is enormous. And clearly if it tried, it could break free from that tree, but doesn't even try because of the previous experience of not being successful at it when that elephant was baby. And so um, I love that example. I actually told it to athletes the other day because and it's, it's so applicable. I mean, I can give you story after story of how this is applying. I mean, I'm applying this in my own life currently, but we get a thought in our head of like, oh, I can't do this, or this isn't for me. And then our brain wants to be right. So there's a part of our brain called the reticular activating system that is the same part of our brain that's responsible when, you know, you buy a new car and then you see it everywhere. It's like, you want, your brain wants to be right. And it wants to find uh, something in its environment to confirm what it has in there. So if we get something in our head, that's like, 
I'm just not cut out for this. Then you're just finding evidence and it stacks on, stacks on. And then the more that we think that thought, it becomes a belief and beliefs live in our subconscious mind. And our subconscious is what controls 90% of our behavior. And so what starts as a little thought, you know, or an experience one time, like that little elephant did that one thing and then has it, you know, it's it's elephant mind that like, I'm not, I'm not capable really kind of cements in and puts its feet into the subconscious, um, which then, you know, when, when somebody has a belief about themselves that they are not capable, it's really hard to, to overcome that. But so I, it is possible though. I mean, that's why our program exists and that's why we do what we do. Um, but I see it in my own mind. I will also say like, yeah, there are some, I mean, there's things like, okay, if we have an athlete who, you know, wants to be an Olympic basketball player, but she's, you know, four foot nine and like, you know, there's like, there's some things that are like, that was like, oh, okay, clearly like not quite the, yes. the body type that is typically performing at that level. Um, but that those, I wouldn't say that's, that's not super often, you know, that's more of like a, oh, okay. We might need to like readjust what this idea of success is for you. Um, but I would say broad, broadly, like we all limit ourselves and it is all within us. So. Do you notice any, um, I don't know, trends or commonalities in what, when people are born or just seem naturally more confident and, and are not, versus people that kind of have this strong self-limiting belief, um, confirmation bias type attitude. Like what kind of trends do you see in the differences of people and how they live in and out of that? And I think of that, you know, cause you always got to take yourself as an example. I mean, that you're living and breathing within your own body every day. And I just am confident. I mean, not that, and that's not to say that I do not have times. I mean, I was banging my head against the wall the other day, like, oh my gosh, can I get my online course done? Is this going to be a success? I mean, when you're doing something new for the first time, anytime it's, you know, it tests you, it tests you, but naturally I am a more confident person. And when I look back, I, I just don't, I mean, my sister is the opposite. And I look back and I'm like, how, how did I get to be this way? Um, and so do you notice since you work with younger people a lot, like, do you notice any trends or any things like that, you know, pull it together, um, or make, or somehow, how did, yeah, you know, how did it come out that way for some people and other people struggle so much? Yeah. I mean, there's so much that goes into that. Like you would have to kind of do a, a deep dive into the environment and, you know, your personality plays a little bit into it. And sometimes what we value as confident is what we see from the outside. And so we do talk about that, like your body language and, you know, your, your, how you speak and all of that actually like does impact how you're perceived as confident and how you feel as confident. Um, but I do see, I mean, overall, I would say the differences that I see are people who have a belief about themselves that they are adaptable and that they can figure things out typically are the ones that are more confident. Whereas, um, you know, people who don't have that belief or they think, you know, whenever challenges kind of come their way, it's like, um, you know, it, it shakes them and it rocks them, you know, and I, I, I think that that, is, especially for athletes, it's like that skill of being adaptable and that even that identity of I am adaptable really does lead to confidence because now their confidence isn't attached to what's happening out there, or like a bad call. 
And I see that in my own life too, um, which impacts my confidence in, in business because I mean, same thing right now we're dealing with like, you know, we started the year 2023 was like our best, best year yet. You know, we were, we were just crushing it, uh, business wise, you know, blowing past all of the, the goals that we had set for ourselves in every area. And now, and then all of a sudden, like April hit and we're like, oh no, what's happening? And we just have been experiencing lower and lower, uh, across the board, you know, like sales and, um, all of our metrics are going down and I have to lean on this, you know, this whole idea of confidence. Like, okay. Like I, we have not figured this out yet, but we are adaptable. We are smart. We are resourceful and, you know, we're going to figure this out. And I think that that's like a mindset shift that, you know, that we try and instill in athletes younger because we do come across athletes and people who are just like, yeah, they're just a little more like reserved, a little more meek, a little more, you know, just always questioning themselves. But if we hold to that belief about ourselves that we are adaptable and we are resourceful, then we're able to, you know, kind of attack these challenges differently. Yeah. That, I mean, and that, and that's, what's always important to share with people, because I do think, you know, when you're around really confident people all the time or successful people, um, you know, you just don't naturally talk about the, 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 the hardships or the difficulties or the mental, you know, stress that you've been under. I know that that's for myself too. I mean, I talked to my husband about it. Um, and unless, you know, my mom or somebody is around when I'm about to have a meltdown, uh, you know, probably I'm not walking around talking about that. I'm a positive person. I like to talk about the positive, but it is really important for everybody to understand. And that, you know, and my husband still works in baseball. So we have a lot of examples to talk to our kids about when you see this, like, how did people get there? What were they doing? How many times, you know, and when you talk about baseball, I mean, um, it's a game of failure, right? Like if you're batting 300, that's great. That means that you missed 700 out of a thousand, you know? So that is in and of itself, the metrics are a game of failure. If you do not learn how to cope with that, um, you're not going to be successful, but, um, So I think it's really important, you know, for people to share what they're going through, how they got there, you know, be kind of transparent about the issues that they've gone through. Um, Because otherwise it's just like, oh, well, well, who are you to coach us, Coach Bree? Your life has been great. Look at all you've done and accomplished. Well, you didn't just magically land there. Um, So I love that you kind of weave that in there. Um, And the stories of your business too, because, you know, everybody that's out there with a business, um, you know, unless you are handed some super successful business to start with, there are trials and tribulations all along the way. Every day, what I have learned as a small business owner is like, gosh, (laughs) there is something going on all the time to be a challenge. You know, you've got to be really strong-willed and, um, I know I'm, I should just, you know, I could just do a nine to five, right? Like, (laughs) but that's the thing about us is that there's that, like, that desire in us, you know, it's like, we, we can figure this out. And, you know, I know I would not be fulfilled in a nine to five, but, um, yeah, it's, it definitely, it's a good practice in, and what, what we teach in our, in the programs. Yeah. And I, and I have to say on that, it's like, when you look out there at what other people are doing and what you might aspire to be doing, um, it was the same thing when I was in corporate America, uh, you know, 
and I would, I, I wanted to be a, a VP or a president of one of the companies or the entities or whatever. Um, that was really what my goal was at one point. But when you get there and you start seeing what does that really mean besides the title, it's the same thing when it comes to business ownership. It sounds glorious, but you have to know what you really want because there's a lot of crap that comes with it. And maybe, maybe a nine to five is more for you. Now, in practice, almost everybody that I know that has gone into small business ownership or entrepreneurship, um, even with all the heartache and the difficulties um, and the extra work, they've all said, I, I think almost everybody I've asked has like, I can never go back, you know, to just be restricted in that way can be difficult, but it all depends on your personality. Yeah, totally. Mm. So one of the other things that I have, um, you know, I, I believe in being positive and, um, positive self-talk and all those kind of things. That's just like part of my natural persona. And one of the things I've had to help my son with is looking in the mirror sometimes and like literally talking to yourself. He at almost 10 years old will tell me this is crap. This is not, this is doing nothing. This does not help me. Clearly you think it does. Um, not just for children, but do you think it has a benefit for, for everybody? And what are some of the kind of like affirmations and visualizations that you recommend for people? First, the whole like positive thinking, like, yes, I'm a big proponent too. In fact, I'm get, going through um, a course right now through positive intelligence. And it's a whole like framework around how there's two parts of our brain, like the sage and the saboteur and the saboteur and, um, are kind of all the parts of your brain that are keeping you in these negative emotions. And you can never be your best self when you are in that negative state. And so obviously that's super applicable to athletes because we talk about you can't perform when you are stuck in that negative spiral. And there's reasons why you are in those saboteurs, which is, I know, kind of like an interesting name, but you know, basically there's parts of us that like to keep us there. They were developed when we were children to try and, you know, help us navigate in the world. Um, but they keep us in this place where we can never actually be our best. And the sage part of our brain is um, the part that wants to support our higher good and, um, you know, get us to, to not just perform well, but to, to live how we want to live. And um, we know from research that negative thinking works uh, really well. So typically when we are in that negative space, we will create those results that we're, you know, pulling ourselves down with. Um, and the, the, the latest research that I'm reading is that also positive thinking isn't like, oh, positive thinking is the key, you know, however, so we're not, I actually don't tell athletes like, Hey, we just need to go positive. Like I'm the worst, um, batter on the team. No, just tell yourself you're the best batter on the team. Like, and then you will be, isn't really how it works. So we get athletes just to neutral thinking so that they're not in that negative space, which I'm sure you're familiar with, but neutral thinking is literally just, I am a batter, you know, and I, I bat or I am a defender. And it just, it helps bridge that gap in our minds between like, so negative and then so positive. Our brain is like, that's not, I like, like your son said, like, this is crap, you know, (laughs) you're you're not the best batter on the team. <laughs> and so it just gets them to a place where it's, okay, I'm here. I'm neutral. I'm not in that negative space because I know that negative thinking works and I'm never going to be able to like actually be my best friend there. Just neutral. And I do that a lot with like bo- body positivity. So half the program um, is for 
moms and parents. And, you know, we go through all of the what to say before, during, and after your kid competes and how to not like ruin their confidence and all that. A big piece of it though, is that our children's confidence is formed and, and internalized from our confidence. And, so we take moms through a whole process around that. And one of the things, one of the major themes that comes up is around body image and, um, you know, getting to a place of body neutrality is, is something that has been really effective for moms in our program too. So it's not like, you know, I'm super overweight or I have tons of weight to lose or, you know, whatever it's, I have a body, I have legs that can carry my kids. I have, you know, and it's just like, it sounds so simple, but it really does help. It's just get out of that negative space um, you know, if we're talking about positive intelligence, we get to the, we can activate the sage side of our brain so that we're, um, you know, able to act in with a more clear, a clear head. Um, so I'm not sure if that exactly answered your question. Cause I feel like I could have gone a lot of different directions there, but that's where we start. No, that's excellent. And I, and I have to say, you know, um, since we're talking about that, because I think that's also, it may not been what the point of our chat today was, but I think it's something that most women have, you know, issues with. Um, and so I love that body neutrality. And one of the questions I would just be interested to get your take, um, cause it's something I think about one of the companies I worked with for years, um, was a French company. And obviously French women have a different concept of body than Americans. Do you think that's part of why they do that? They just have a more body neutrality type position um, because they, you know, if, if, if you're in France, you will notice they are not fidgeting with their shirt or doing this. They don't get dressed and talk about, oh, I, and it's not like they never think about that. It's just not the same way. So do you think we have created a culture that's just overly body aware? Yeah. Especially for women. And so it's just, how do we get away from that? Yeah. I think, I think part of it is getting to this neutrality, but like a, a body, I mean, gosh, I mean, we could unpack a lot here, but uh, bodies change, bodies come in different shapes and sizes. There is no perfect body because I think we do grow up with the idea that there is a perfect body and most of us don't have it. So there's this always constant, like not, not good enough out there. And that, you know, your body is the most interesting thing about you, but it's, it's not. And so, yeah, there's, I don't know the the key to like getting away from it besides we work with like, you know, intergenerational um, cycles here. And so we work a lot with moms on like how they talk about their own bodies because that influences how their daughters see their bodies. And we're in the com- really powerful commercial that Dev used to do that we share with moms. It like, it makes me emotional every time I watch it, but um, it's just this interview. Maybe you've seen it where they interview moms, interview daughters, and the daughters are anywhere between like probably six and nine years old. And they ask the moms first, and this is separately. And they, they ask the moms, you know, what do you like about your body? And what do you not like about their your body? And they had like just a couple of things to say that they liked. And it was, it was just kind of like, oh yeah, well, I kind of like my hair, you know, and it's like that. But then they had like kind of this laundry list of what they didn't like. And it'd say things like, I just always hate the way my nose is. is and um, I hate my... Um, my thighs are really big. And then they would interview their daughters separately and they asked daughters the same question. Oh, no. And they're going to get choked up on that. It's every time I watch it, I'm like, oh my gosh. And the daughters, I mean, these are young girls and they say, I just, I just don't really like my nose or like my thighs are kind of big. And so their moms are watching this and they're like, oh 
my, they're like, I've never said one word to my daughter about the size of her thighs or what her nose looks like. No, I am always telling my daughter that she is beautiful and she is capable, but they're internalizing these things because their moms are talking about themselves that way. And, you know, we're the closest and most influential example of confidence in our girls' lives. And so it's just a reminder that like, yeah, I don't know what the, there's always larger impacts and, you know, there's society, there's media, there's all of this. But I think like starting just within our home on like how we're talking about our bodies, um, how we're talking about food, how we're talking about exercise, like in terms of I'm doing this to make me feel good or I, I feel I feel better when I go for a walk and not like I need to go for a walk because I have a piece of cake and, you know, I hate my legs and all of these things because it doesn't really matter. It's kind of the do as I say, not as I do when we call our kids, like you're great, your body's wonderful. And then we just tear ourselves apart. So yeah, so that's, I mean, that's where we re- really focus a lot of our efforts. Um is with helping the mom kind of change the game and change the narrative for their daughter in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say again, I don't have girls, but I am conscientious of that even with my sons, because I think you see the opposite sometimes is when you're really into sports and fitness and lifting weights and you just might be a skinny guy. You might have harder time putting on weight or gaining muscle or just have a different, all three of my sons have a different body type. I don't, think that they're all going to be like super similar when they get older. Um, and so I think about that and I'm like, I don't want somebody to have a complex on the other side of it. Um, so I think it is important to be conscientious of that as a mom, like my, and, and we certainly don't talk about, you know, weight to anybody, you know, um, or about anybody or criticize or make jokes about stuff on TV because we, you know, I personally don't want my children, um, having that in the back of their mind or making a, just a comment. Um, but I think it's, I just really think it's fascinating. And I think that about that a lot because I worked with a French company and seeing the differences and now what you're explaining, that must be a big part of it in that moms just, you know, kind of the body is the body and I'm going to wear this. And if I'm going to wear my two piece, no matter what, and they aren't making comments out loud, they're not self-critical. Um, in the same way that we are at all. Um, and so that is a really important reminder for everybody. Um, and, and a reminder for ourselves that like, you know, um, it somewhere we have to break that cycle, right? I need to start with our own awareness and, you know, stopping it when we are doing it to ourselves, because I, for sure, you know, it's, it, it's always, you know, a thought in the mind. It, like just is. Um, but that's, that's really, really interesting. Um, so I'm glad we touched on that and shared that. Um, the other thing that I really wanted to focus on is when you are, you know, a busy mom in a career, whether you're working outside the home, in the home, your own business, working at a big company, small business, whatever it is, you know, working moms just seem to have an immense amount of stress these days. So how do you think, in the way that you think about managing stress for athletes, what way could that be beneficial in helping, um, you know, adult working women and or moms? I don't, it's hard. And like what we teach athletes, yes, I think can be applicable, but I also think that there's, I'm not sure it complete, like, 
it, it totally 100% transfers over just because of the like mental load that we have. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm in a, in a traditional relationship where I, you know, I'm married to a man and it still, it's a constant, and he is, is even pretty self-aware because we talk about it a lot, but even with all of that, like, you know, the birthday parties, football on life, like the, the groceries, the meal planning, the, you know, all of the things. And so, yeah. Um, <laughs> what we teach athletes around stress is realizing that, you know, there is a good amount of stress that's normal. And then there's, you know, the stress that turns into distress, it's like negative to their performance, but to build in breaks, um, to get into nature, to, you know, create habits that support an environment that they, that they, you know, thrive in. Um, and as that applies to me, like, I guess I'm not, I guess there's not just like a clear, a clear correlation. It's more of like anecdotal, you know, how, how are we actually doing this in the wild? (laughs) You know, and for me, it's making sure that I'm constantly communicating with my partner around like what I need and being very specific about that. Um, because if I don't, then I'm the type to just take it all over and put it all on my plate, just do it because it's faster. But then I get burned out and I get really bitter and I'm like, I'm the only one doing anything um, to make this whole household run. Um, and so for me, it, it's part of my own ego and being like, you know, I just have to communicate what I, what I need there, recognize when, and, and not even recognize when I need to break, but just like be intentional about putting things into my day or like, I need to just take five minutes to go for a walk. Cause I don't like, I just don't, you know, everything seems way more important than that. Yes. This, this is such, this is a great topic. You know, this is not, I did not have this pinpointed for our conversation today, but this is so important. Um, I've got a lot to unpack there and I will start with the relationship aspect because you touched on something that is like constantly a thought and a conversation with my husband and I, my husband has a extremely busy, successful business of his own. Um, he makes more money than I do, even though I do very well. Um, but he still does a significant amount. If I had to say, here are 50 people that we know and compare him, I would probably say he does, you know, the top 15% of probably the other spouses, you know, he really does a lot, even though he does. And this is like an ego battle that it's like really hard to win. It's just not the same, you know? And it's like the hard part is I want to, yes, thank you. I'm glad that you're doing all these things. But I also want you to recognize that there are just certain things that fall to the mom, no matter if you work or if you stay at home, no matter if you have a nanny or your family helps you, no matter what, there are things, the birthdays, the buying of the presents. Did you make a card? Did you sign a card? Oh, you need to have a play date. Who's going to organize that? How are you going to get there? All of these little things that add up to like a huge mountain of mental, you know, weight. It's a lot. Like you're remembering your own stuff. You're remembering everything for your business. You have all these other little people to remember stuff for. And it's really can be challenging. And on paper, or even like in the time that we're doing those things, it may not be significant. I feel that the weight of that can feel very overwhelming at times. Oh my gosh. Yeah, totally. And that's why <laughs> like, okay, like go take a bath and go for a walk. It's like, no, I need like this mental 
mental load like reduced. <laughs> and, you know, yes. I, we're, again, we're still working through it, but I think there's definitely more awareness now than there was before. Cause you're right. It's like, okay, we're going to a birthday party. Like we didn't even think about like that. We need to go get a gift ahead of time and wrap it and get a card and all that. <laughs> She's like, get in the car and go. And so, and it, that's why it becomes a point of contention too, because my husband is the same. He's like, I am on the dishwasher. I do all the laundry. And I, you know, da, da, da. and I'm like, hey, you do a lot of, a lot of things, you know, <laughs> but like, it's the, it's, you know, up here being able to yes. all of that taken care of. And so I don't know what the solution is besides like, okay, you're, I'm just going to offload all of the kids' doctor's equipment and all that are all going to be in your realm. Like, I don't know, maybe that's it. Like we have to get very clear, especially because the both of us are both working full time. Like it's, we have the same workload, you know, not like mm-hmm. I'm working less or he, you know, he's, it's, it's, we're the, we're the same in that sense. And so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And it's, and it's sometimes hard for me and I do, you know, I do, you know, I mean, my husband is doing a lot. He has a stressful job, um, but I'm kind of like reinventing and starting new. And I think the creativity part of what I'm doing has a different mental, you know, weight to some degree than he's been doing this. I mean, he's only had one job (laughs) his whole career. So while things shift and change in it, you kind of know what you're doing. So you have like your day is ready and So it's kind of hard to like apples to apples that, but yes, there is a lot, but I think you hit the nail on the head with in the, in the original intro to this um, topic of conversation, when you said something about communication. And I think that is the key is I have noticed that women are less direct in their needs at times. And it's like, don't you see, don't you hear me? Don't you read between the lines? Well, no, men don't. Men seem to be very black and white. And so it's being very clear. I need you to do this, make a list or whatever else. I think that it can make a huge um, shift in how things go. And when you're crazy and it's busy, I mean, it may still be an S show, but I had had some friends that did... um, blue jobs and pink jobs. And that's very traditional. And maybe some people don't like that. You can code it however you want. His and hers, your names, whatever it is. They just did pink and blue for simplicity. And they literally had a chart. And um, I thought that was very, you know, insightful, you know? So the wife actually in that scenario is the higher wage earner, um, but they have, they're, they're basically in the same um, type of job. Um but it was just very clear. So it wasn't this decision fatigue weighing you down all the time. If my car needed to be washed, if my car needed to be filled up with gas, if these things need to be done, this is what he was doing. If the child needed this, the child needed that, or certain stuff with the house, she was doing it. They agreed. And it just took the mental weight off. I mean, that takes some planning, but I think that that could be, you know, cause it's just very clear communication, right? That's just like, you've mapped a plan, you have an idea, um, because I find it's the mental weight of, I've got to remember all of these little, th- oh my gosh, book fairs today. Did you get money? Who's going to go with a kindergartner? You can't send them with money by themselves. It's it just a lot of little things. Um, so it's always interesting to hear how other people are doing and that everybody struggles with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is, yeah. Cool. no, I think that'd be very, I think that'd be good. I mean, let's approach that. 
we've tr- we've tried doing like various things like that and then we always run into like barriers of like you know somebody gets hurt because they're like wait you think i'm not doing enough or but i think that would be so good if it was just like laid out and then you don't have to have that secret like resentment or bitterness or yeah like trying to remember it all yeah i mean and i'll be very upfront and say I don't mind doing a lot of cleaning. Sometimes cleaning is like very therapeutic to me, but I do not like doing laundry or doing the dishes. And I pretty much have said that and my husband takes those things. <laughs> like, so that's, that's what you're going to do. Um, and I'm going to do other stuff, uh, but we don't have a full roadmap. Um, it seems like every time we try a roadmap for like things like that with our kids that get annoying, like what are you going to have for breakfast, which is seems like always a fight. Um, we built a plan and like you could pick and choose this, but after, you know, three or four months, you just kind of fall by the wayside. So don't be upset if you try stuff, it doesn't work, go back to the drawing board or try to figure out how to be um, consistent because um, you know it, it's really just trial and error. Um, but communication is key. Communication is key. Well, this has been amazing. Is there anything else you would want to share when it comes to um, the big mental hurdles that hold people back um, from achieving at a high level that you think like would be impactful for women? God, I mean, I think that what we talked about around you know you really are one thought or one decision away from a different day, a different week, a different month, a different life. And I think we can get caught in our own limiting beliefs or reasons why we aren't where we want to be. Um, and so I think, I think just like having that, that belief that I can, I am adaptable, I can change. Um, and then also always checking in and, and, and asking like, it, is this where I want to be? Um, because even as like, like I said, high achieving through sports and business, super easy to get focused on like the metrics and, and all of that. And so, you know, I've been kind of on a journey too of figuring out like, what, what is it actually that I want? And yeah, obviously we need a certain um, amount of income to support the lifestyle that we have, but it's not always just more and more and more in, in, in that way. It's also like, what, what lifestyle do we want? What, you know, all of that. So I think, um, you know, as high achievers, we can constantly just, you know, move the goalposts forward and forward and forward without really realizing like, where are we going? So, yeah. Absolutely. I, that is the number one thing, uh, besides talking about money and confidence that I talk about is you have to define the success, what you want. Otherwise you're never going to feel like you got there. So if you don't have an idea and, and it shouldn't just be a monetary, it's not, it shouldn't just be like, well, when I make $100,000, I'll feel great. No, there's a lot of components to your life and what is going to make you happy, you know, family, friends, social life, lifestyle, um, freedom, free time, ability to travel and money. I mean, money is a part of that. But yeah, if you don't, I mean, it's like, you know, I've talked to people making half a million dollars a year and they're like, I'm not really successful. No, no. <laughs> you are, you must not have thought about what your life was going to look like or what the success was going to be like. I mean, if you're, you know, talking to the owner of the Rockets, then maybe you don't feel successful at that, but (laughs) by and large, you're very successful. So that is really important um, to make sure you have a clear game plan and it's not just, you know, money motivated um, because that's really just one 
aspect. And when we get to a certain level of monetary achievement, the rest is not going to make a huge difference for us. So, well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us and all of the great information you have. Uh, Coach Bree and her sister-in-law run the Elite Competitor Program, which will be linked. She referenced that, but it'll be linked in there. But she also has a free training for sports moms that's evergreen and can be found at trainhergame.com. And you can check that out. Um, And she is a top mental performance coach for young ladies and moms that need help on getting you and your family and your kids to where they want to be and get there happily. So check her out. She's on all the social medias. um, And we are so thankful for you to come on and talk about these things because this is just so important for women in general. So thank you very much. I hope that the rest of your day and the rest of your week is amazing. Everybody else, remember the same thing that we talk about all the time. Keep getting clear. Keep looking inward, figuring out what you want in your life. You are made for more. So start acting like it today. Thanks for listening in. If you loved what you heard, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with your friends. Tag us on social media so we can give you a big shout out. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want more, head on over to the website where you can learn all about what we do to serve and support our entire community. Until next time, keep dreaming big and getting clear. You are made for more. So start living like it today.